world headquarters. Why Gen Z men are refusing to masturbate to the Taylor Swift deepfakes. With the third week of farmer protests, is the EU at risk for running out of manure? With the end of the bank term funding program, what is the new Federal Reserve scheme to give the banks more free money? <laughs> Accusations from nail salon staff that Donald Trump's fingers still smell like Gene Carroll. It's very recognizable odor. I describe it as lubricated cat litter. My fingers do not smell like Gene Carroll, okay? Believe me, you would know. I'm moving my hands around all the time. People are never going. Who, why does it smell like someone farted? You never hear that, okay? Believe me. It's your daily dose of misinformation pulled from a lightly hemorrhoided asshole. It's today's Run Your Mouth. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. Look at us making good use of our studio, putting together fancy introductions. We are cooking. Welcome. It's nice to have you guys. Uh, episode brought to you by YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo. And let's get into it because Donald Trump, that Gene Carroll case came back. And what does he owe? $83, $8,400 trillion. They just keep on saddling up the fines. And you know what? The $83 million, that's not going to make a difference once they, once they take these buildings. Man, is New York City coming after this guy. And firstly, off the bat, I just want to know, what is New York City doing to uh, protect us from known sexual assaulters? Because here we have, we've got the court system, and apparently we've got sexual assaulters just mingling amongst us out in the wild with absolutely no reform whatsoever to try and find these people criminally accountable. I don't know. Do you feel safe in New York City? I don't feel safe in New York City anymore. This is What is this going to do to the economy as our court system recognizes the fact that we've got vicious sexual assaulters out there on the loose? And now here's what Donald Trump should do. I figured out what he should do at $83 million. And he's not allowed to talk about this. How rough is that? It shows up in the debates and they go, well, uh, you know, you sexually assault and he's got a... And you know, Donald Trump left that court case and he goes, I don't understand. I was under breathing the whole time. I sat in there. I made, I made angry faces at the judge and I kept saying, I didn't do it. I kept saying it. I know I wasn't supposed to say it, but I showed up. I let them know it was a witch hunt. I don't know how the jury could have decided against me. I was there saying, not me. Totally didn't do it. It must have been someone else. And that's what his defense should be. You know what he should do? At $83 million to clear his name, he should just hire someone to go, yep, that was me. Back in the day, I used to hang out in Bergdorf Astoria. Uh, 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 I don't know what the name of the fancy store is. I'd get off my shift from the McDonald's. I'd go right over there, and I'd be fingering all sorts of bitches. You just got to hire some dude who's tall. Get him to start wearing those long coats, throw the whatever horse hair wig you get from, tan the guy a little bit, and have him just show up and go, it was me. And then for $83 million, you can even try, you can even hire women to come out and go, yeah, that was me too. Listen, this was pre-Craigslist. Do any of us know what the Bergdorf Astoria room was like? You know, we're all out here going, hey, this story doesn't sound like it's possible. You're telling me that in the middle of the day, you guys were actually able to pull this off in a dressing room at some high-end retail shop? But maybe this was New York City's glory hole for all we know. Maybe this lady is claiming sexual assault, but this would have been like being at a trucker stop in the 90s and being, oh, my God, a dick came through the hole in the wall. So 
I don't know, Donald Trump, if you're listening, I like to throw out suggestions. I like to solve people's problems. And uh, my newest suggestion for you is just hire someone to come forward, pull the OJ move of we're out there, we're trying to find the real killer. And you go, it was, you get the other guy to just come forward and go, yeah, it was me. And she can't even remember what year it happened in. So what, what, how is the New York state going to argue with someone else coming forward and going, yep, that was me. Uh, I'd like to know how Clinton is in the clear. How is it that Donald Trump is going down for this one, but Clinton seems to be in the clear? Is it just that Clinton is smart enough not to respond to allegations or that they don't do Clinton as dirty and that you never see just people on the news all the time going, yep, I was right by Clinton. You never see that. And I guess if you did see that all the time, maybe the Clinton organization would be forced to come forward and then they'd get trapped in in, uh, in one of these defamation lawsuits as well, uh, assuming that someone could pull a move where they just bring it down to Texas because that's the whole other thing is just the jury here. The jury gets to assign punitive damages. And how fun is that to punish a politician? Do these do, do the jury not realize that they're not getting the money? But I guess it's fun. If you're just some poor schmuck and for a brief moment in time, you get to lord over a politician. I'm kind of stealing his joke from Dave Smith there. He did this on the uh, uh, he did. He said something similar on the live podcast, which why you got to come out for the live one sometimes. Sometimes it gets so juicy and dicey, we just look at each other and go, yep, that was for the 100 people that were here and those people only. Sometimes it's 300 people. Depends on the setting. But show up for the live shows because uh, sometimes they get too spicy to go out and then I get to steal Dave's jokes and do them on Run Your Mouth. But isn't that fun to be on a jury and just get to lord over a politician for two minutes and go, you know what, make it a billion dollars. Just take all of his money. Do I really get to sit here and just decide that we're going to take Donald Trump's money? I don't even care if I can't have it. That's just a fun decision to make. All right. So to recap the case for people that didn't follow it, uh, first is Gene Carroll, from what I remember, it seems like they're changing the story here. Now everyone's uh, like saying that she accused him of sexual assault. That's not what I remember. She accused him of rape. And I guess she lied about that because she did not actually even the jury decided she wasn't raped. And then, of course, in New York City, they go, well, uh, she was uh, finger blasted and that's uh, technically not rape in New York City. But that is, according to most people, consider this stuff is gross, confusing. We don't have to get into logistics of what's rape and what's not. I'm just saying she did claim rape and then it turned out at least it wasn't that. She doesn't remember what year it took place in. Um, and once again, if Donald Trump is a rapist, let's put the guy in jail. Why does he just get to walk around amongst us and run for president? And what would happen if there was a counterclaim in another state? If this was down in Texas or if this was down in Florida, what does that say about our jury system? This was very similar to uh, the the um, you guys should watch. I've talked about it on the show before when there was that guy, uh, Tucker Carlson interviewed him. He was the dude who tweeted uh, that you could text in your vote and then ended up, uh, I believe he's going to jail. I don't know if he's in jail yet, but he was talking about the jury that the Feds can just bring you into court in a very liberal area in Brooklyn. They get some other guy to turn against you. And it's like, if they can rig juries like that, we're all going to be found guilty. I don't understand why this court case, if the guy made the claims while he was president, shouldn't, why, why is it being brought into court in New York? And if Donald Trump's got so much money for lawyers, how is he getting suckered into this game that he can't bring, uh, that he can't force it to be brought into other um, jurisdictions? Um, all right. And so just a few more little pieces of information on this case, and then we'll get into some more of the news articles, spicy news story over here of the guy trying to run for president being slammed once again with an 83 million. That, even that's got to hurt Donald Trump. Even he's got to be sitting around and going at $83 million. Every time I go, I didn't do it. 
I, I, you know what? Maybe it's just going to, I so did it. Okay. I don't want to owe any more money. All right, fine. You guys are going to say I was doing it. Yes. I was that cool in the eighties. Everyone else was doing blow middle of the afternoon. I went in my rush. I went to Bergdorf. Let me tell you, everyone else liked it. Everyone else had a really good time. That's why you don't hear any other complaints. <laughs> but anyways, I'm trying to move forward. Gene Carroll, uh, you know, firstly, I, I mean, talk about, and this was actually part of the Donald Trump defense, but don't you want this lady's advice now for an advice columnist? I mean, how to screw men out of their money. Talk about an advice column I will read now. You know, the book that she wrote was, what do we need men for? And it's apparently so that you can sue them. And now here's the thing. I don't want to call Jean Carroll a liar. I don't want to do that. I don't want to be calling her a liar. I can't afford lawsuits over here, defamation cases. So, you know, let's just say that she's uh, not lying. She's just using chief lady habits for maximum financial gain. She can become the absolute world's greatest spokesman for how to turn victimhood into profits. I mean, what a case. What a case. Who schemed this one up? Who realized, hey, and I, I was reading this article about how they changed a whole bunch of New York laws so that this court could be, uh, could, uh, um, could even be uh, brought, but this seems like a checkmate. Make a claim 30, 40 years ago, then you get the guy for defamation for saying it's not true, and then every time he opens up his mouth, you get to sue him once again. It's pretty good. All right, Benjil's coming in, wanting to know how many bagels and locks buy me an invite to the tunnels. Um, a good platter of locks is going to get you into any Jewish party. You, you don't need that much, but it's got to be like high end. You know what I mean? It's, and locks is sketchy. You know what your best bet is? You really want to, I'll tell you a juice secret. You got to go to Costco and get one of those uh, smoked uh, white fishes that's in the packaging. So that way everyone knows the quality. Everyone knows what's on the table. And uh, even if you're bringing bagels, you know, that's coming in a sack, right? If you're coming because you want to try and get into the Jew tunnels, whatever you've got on hand, people are going to be skeptical of it. They're going to want to know if you poisoned it. You're trying to put sleeping pills in it so you can pull them out of the tunnels. People are very protective when they're in tunnels. Now, they like people coming, hanging out, bringing them the Jew foods that they like to eat. But you got to bring things that are jarred. You want to bring herring in a jar and high-end herring. No one likes the bad herring. I don't like herring no matter what. But I'm, I've just been around these people at Kiddish, and I'm just trying to relay the information to you. If you're trying to trap, if you're trying to get an invite to Jew tunnels, um, you're going to have to make sure that it is sealed food. They're very careful about the kosher thing. And so what I would recommend is go to Costco. You can get yourself locks, but I'm telling you, you know what, you know what people are really going to go crazy for is that Costco whitefish. You know, have you guys ever had that? I don't even like fish, generally speaking. I'll, I'll eat locks, but you get one of those smoked Costco's white fishes, and they're only good once you open it. Like you open that thing up, and that's good for like 15, 20, 30 minutes. If you try and go back for the leftovers on that one, it's no good. And generally speaking, I do like leftovers. Thank you, Benjels. That was an excellent question. Um, and really, uh, shed some additional light onto this, uh, Jean Carroll story. All right, let's, uh, let's take a look at some of the articles. Um, so this was after $80 million verdict, Trump has jury problem ahead of criminal trial. That was the verdict. Now this was the first defense. Cause this is what I was, uh, catching eye to was that you got Jean Carroll. And it, it, to me, I was like, well, isn't she known liar because she claimed rape. And then suddenly every single news story pivoted to sexual assault as if that had always been her initial claim was that it was sexual assault and that she was always true and right. And the jury just listened to her story and said that was true. I was like, wait a second. 
didn't she lie to us? Because she did say rape. They didn't determine rape. They determined sexual assault. And then how do you have this whole defamation thing with a person who you know is a known liar by the very court that even decided in her favor? Gets a little, uh, gets a little bit confusing here. But then I was reading the new articles. They're all trying to pretend like her initial claim was sexual assault, which is not the way I remembered it. So here's a couple articles on that. The former president then countersued Carol for defamation over a CNN appearance of her own. Hours before Trump's town hall, Carol indicated he raped her, despite the jury finding that he was only liable for sexual abuse, not rape, under New York's definitions. Kaplan, the judge, tossed Trump's counterclaim, ruling it was merely a legal technicality that bore no distinction when average person describes rape. Here's a different article. Discussing the counterclaim, Judge Kaplan provided an unsparring analysis of the legal issues that informed the New York verdict. He wrote, the only issue on which the jury did not find in Mrs. Carroll's favor was whether she was proved that Mr. Trump raped her within the narrow technical meaning of that term in New York penal law. Your judge, laws are very technical. And in this case, you go, uh, she, I don't know. The jury was instructed that it could find that Mr. Trump raced, raped Mr. Carroll only if he... Um, only if it found that he forcibly penetrated Miss Carroll's vagina with his penis. Always fun when you put it in very uh, technical terms like that. Uh, now, the next move from Donald Trump, I believe this was from the New York Post, in trying to get this case uh, thrown out of court, which uh, I guess if you got enough lawyers, I don't know why. Is it three strikes and you're out? Is that the way it works? You get to, you know, uh, you get they, they bring the court case it, it, and then you appeal it. Is there a limit to how many times you can appeal a court case? How does that work? Or if you're wealthy enough, you just get to keep on appealing it. Because with $83 million on the table, I'm sure your legal fees of constantly appealing it. And then between now and the next appeal, can he keep saying, hey, it never happened? And then that's just still a part of the whole case. So it's better to delay all the cases. Or is it a new case every single time he says it doesn't happen? I don't know. I don't know the way that one works either. But anyways, the newest one is that they're trying to say that there was a previously unknown conflict of interest as the judge was actually the mentor for the prosecutor against Donald Trump in this case. Uh, it doesn't sound like a bombshell to me. The fact that you worked in an office with someone 30 years ago, maybe were on their team or not on their team, doesn't sound like a bombshell conflict of interest to me. I think the conflict of interest is just the fact that uh, you're, you're being confronted by a New York City uh, jury pool, for one. And for two, that you can't even defend yourself against the actions, and it can just be a court case about um, how much are the damages. All right, let's take a let's take a look at one more article. This one was interesting. This is from Business Insider. Here, I'll read you guys the headline. Trump claimed his E. Jean Carroll defamations were the best thing that ever happened to her. Here's how that grotesque tactic met its end. And the argument actually makes sense to me. Where's the defamation if I've highlighted this person to being even more famous where they make a lot more money and uh, now they're a cultural icon because they're the person who's uh, bringing down Donald Trump? If her book sales are up, if she's got more job opportunities, if her profile has been heightened, if the New York state has already labeled me to be a liar because of this, and then every time I bring her up, she's getting the free publicity. I mean, this is very Donald Trump logic, you know, that all press is good press, but there's something to be said for it. If you're actually making more money, off of the fame that the case has brought to you, then what exactly are the damages from the defamation if all the defamation is actually in your favor? Interesting to me. I buy it. Jury in New York didn't. And then Carol promises to do something good with a fortune one from Trump, which is hopefully she just spends it on more lawsuits, just constant Donald Trump lawsuits. Or maybe she can find some Clinton victims. Maybe she could say she could fund lawsuits for everybody 
Maybe she could make a whole Ponzi scheme here of who, who can come forward and claim something happened 30 years ago. Cause don't worry, there won't be any criminal repercussions. So you, you don't have to feel bad about this. It's not like anyone's going to jail. Just uh, let me fund this so you can make yourself some money. Uh, all right. Before we take the, get into the next topic, let's take a couple of comments here. When are we going to have a fight between Jewish haters who say Hitler killed 6 million and those who said he did nothing wrong? I don't think anyone says he did nothing wrong. I think you're uh, distorting that one. I think even people, uh, you know, some people might, uh, for some crazy neo-Nazi reason, be pro it. There's very few people that say he did nothing wrong. That, uh, all right. Uh, bend over. Is it a conflict of interest that the judge in the Carroll's case also dismissed the Prince Andrew case? I didn't know that. That's juicy. Send me that one. Robsnewsroom at gmail.com. That's some juicy, spicy details right there that I wasn't aware of. All right, let's take a look at our next news story. But before we do, why not take this transition as an opportunity to plug another one of our sponsors, YoDelta.com. If you're not into the Kratom products, you don't want to be able to go to a website and get an entire kilo for just $60, the best price you can possibly find kilos of Kratom for anywhere in the entire worldwide world. Well, then you can go to the Sipster website, YoDelta.com. Use promo code RYM, get yourself 20% off. And let me tell you, I haven't been drinking at home, but I haven't eaten those watermelon gummy slices. They're a good time. Not going to sleep that early because now I'm all like, hey, I'm high. I feel really good. But anyways, listen, you, you don't have to not go to bed. You, you might want to take them and go to bed. Everyone's a little bit different here. I'm just trying to tell you, get a big bag of watermelon slices. I've still been on my original bag that they sent me like two years ago. I got it on the freezer. Every time I take one out, I feel like I'm going to break my teeth. But don't worry about that. That's part of the thrill. YoDelta.com, promo code RYM, 20% off uh, if you're over the age of 21, living in places where it's legal, blah, 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 blah. All right, here we go. For immediate release. From Joe Biden, he's concocting this new scheme of what we're going to do at the border. Oh, my God, this pivot is like uh, it, it seems as crazy as when they were telling us to uh, get vaccinated, even if you had already uh, been uh, filled with COVID. If you had every variant, spent time in the Wuhan lab, came to America, went to someone else to get the Delta, and they were still telling you, hey, you better get the original shot and wait some time and get boosted. You're like, I don't understand. Don't I have natural immunity? And then sometimes like people, they say things that are just such bold faced lies and they make no sense to you. But you're like, all right, that's what they're saying. And then, well, my God, what Biden is cooking up here. I'll read through it. Maybe you guys tell me if I'm missing something. But this seems like as bold face, as bold face as any of the lies we heard from COVID. Uh, it, it's crazy. So here's Biden's new thing is he's this whole time. He cares about the border more than anyone. He doesn't like what's going on at the border, and he would like to have the authority to deal with what's going on in the border. But as he's been working with Republicans for funding in order to address the problem. And so he's going to rework a compromise here that why don't we let 5,000 people in a day? We're going to read through all these sources. So I'm giving you guys the summary of the way I understand this. But we're going to start processing 5,000 people a day. Uh, which uh, I believe we're going to see later on based on a post from Chief Nerd that that's actually above, uh, at least on paper, what's currently coming in. But basically 5,000 people a day will be fully processed. And then after that, Biden will enact the emergency orders to close it. I don't understand. Why do you need new authority to close it? And why is there going to be a 5,000 person limit that we're just going to let in and give amnesty to? Are you going to create a royal rumble down at the border of even people that have crossed in trying to get back over there and pushing them with their way to the front of the line? How is this system going to work? It's just the first 5,000 every single day. And then what we use the emergency powers and we send the other ones back. And if it's amnesty, 
Like, why don't we give it to more people? Are you not concerned with the safety and the well-being of the other people? Uh, isn't amnesty that uh, the situation is so dire back at home that will allow you to declare it and then stay? Why do these people get the amnesty claim, but then the other people get set back to a pit of debt? How does that work? So it's just the first 5,000 people. We're going to have a battle royale. You're going to get Mexicans dressing up on horses with like lancets and things to push their way to the front. Is that what it's going to be? We're going to incentivize the best pusher and shovers to get in. How are the kids and the wives going to make it? Is It's going to be the opposite of the way the world is supposed to work, where you try in emergency situations, let the kids and the wives and the women get in first. And instead, we're going to end up with the worst. <laughs> you actually end up with the, the people Trump warned us about, the not good people. The, the, the best of the, they're going to have pushing and shoving classes down in Mexico to try and train you how you can be part of the first 5,000 people who can get over the line on a daily basis. It's going to be like Red Rover at the border and, uh, or maybe people start coming in as teams to so start hiring like rugby teams that they can like run formations so that you can try and get yourself to the front of the line. Maybe people start renting, uh, those things that the, uh, the terrorists use to, you know, to fan themselves over, uh, you get catapult systems. It's going to be, it's going to be mayhem down there to try and be within the first 5,000 people. So, all right, just to recap the shenanigans of this claim. So Biden wants to claim this whole time, even though he's in control and uh, he doesn't have the authority to, 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 to close the border, to police the border. But if new reforms come in, then he has the authority to address the problem. He hasn't done it yet because no one's given, he's the elected president and he seems to be removing the authority from Texas to deal with it. But for some reason, he doesn't currently have the ability to address this situation, but he's willing to address the situation as long as everyone agrees that 5,000 people a day can get in. I don't know why it's that number. I don't know why. I, I, and I don't know what his plan is also to secure the rest of the border parts. Is that 5,000 that you actually catch and then the rest are just still freebies? They don't count towards the number? All right. It's enough of my ranting. You guys think that this is all just nonsense. You're like, Biden can't be cooking up this much of a scheme to try and pretend to us like he didn't have the authority to deal with this and that it was the Republicans' fault the entire time. There's no way he would try and stick us and saddle us with that lie. It can't possibly be. So let's read the breakdown. You ready for immediate release statement of President Biden on the bipartisan set and border security negotiations. For far too long, we all know that the border has been broken. Not an emergency, but we do have a broken border. Even Biden's willing to admit that. It's long past time to fix it. He's as concerned as the rest of us. That's why two months ago, wasn't a problem before two months ago, but let's continue. That's why two months ago, I instructed my team to begin negotiations with a bipartisan group of senators to seriously and finally address the border crisis. It was only two months ago that he realized, I guess, that it was broken and it was finally time to sit down and negotiate, not take immediate action, just sit down and start having the conversations about the seriousness of it. I don't know why it only took him until two months ago to realize that this was a serious situation, but that's where he's at. And finally address the border crisis for weeks now. That's what we've done. Working around the clock through the holidays and over weekends. I'd like to see the, I'd like to see the proof of that anyone worked over holidays and weekends. Let's be clear. What's been negotiation would, if passed into law, be the toughest and fairest set of reforms to secure the border we've ever had in our country. Bold claim. Okay. It would give me as president a new emergency authority to shut down the border when it becomes overwhelmed. You don't have current authority to shut down the border and you have to wait till it gets overwhelmed to shut it down. And it's not currently at the level of being overwhelmed. Okay. Fair enough. Let's continue. Let's continue. And if given that authority, I would use it the day I sign the bill into law. 
Further, Congress needs to finally provide the funding I request in October to secure the border. This includes an additional 1,300 Border Patrol agents, 375 immigration judges, 1,600 asylum officers. Why do you need more asylum officers than Border Patrol agents? Why is it that your plan here sounds like it's to process more people in than it is to actually secure this situation and keep people out? But let's continue. And over 100 cutting-edge inspection machines to help detect and stop fentanyl at our southwest border. Securing the border through these negotiations is a win for America. All right, let's take a look at this. This is from the Wall Street Journal. Biden says he will shut down border during surges if deal reached. It will only be shut down during surges. President Biden urged Congress to pass a border order, order overhaul bill and said he would be willing to shut down the border if it becomes overwhelmed with migrants, pointing to provisions of Senate talks now to into their final stages. Biden said in a statement late Friday that provisions in the proposal, which has yet to be released, would give the president emergency powers to turn back people during large influxes rather than process their asylum claims in the U.S. Once again, I don't know why he needs emergency powers in order to do this and why he needs to be over a 5,000 person a day threshold in order to enact this or as to how once we're magically past this 5,000 a day threshold, they'll actually be able to secure the border and turn everyone around. But fine, let's continue. Under the terms of the emergency emerging deal, Border Patrol agents would be required to remove migrants if encounters reach a daily average of 5,000 over a week or 8,500 in a single day. Oh, I think it's 5,000 on a daily basis or over 8,500 in a single day, according to a person familiar with the matter. The president would have the option to act a daily average of 4,000 over a week. Daily crossings have regularly surged above those levels. For everyone who's demanding tougher border controls, this is the way to do it, Biden said of the border legislation. If you're serious about the border crisis, pass a bipartisan bill and I will sign it. Doesn't this just incentivize everyone to show up and try and be in the first 5,000 every day? This makes zero sense to me. But let's continue. He said, if given the authority, once again, he needs the authority to do so, to shut down the uh, uh, the border, becomes overwhelmed, I will still blot something into law. I, I got to figure out how to not have that little stream yard thing on the bottom which blocks my view. All right. So this was from Newt Ginrich. It was uh, published in Zero Hedge. And uh, Mr. Newt seemed to be thinking along my lines. He wrote, they want to believe that the deal they're offering to the American people is a compromise. Um, 150,000 illegal immigrants entering the country unhibited per month. That's nearly the population of my hometown in Louisiana. Work permits for every illegal alien who has been released into the country, and they want you to pay for the legal fees. My answer is no, absolutely not. The point being that the numbers of what Biden's trying to legally now process into the country uh, seem to be something that we none of us would be agreeing to. And now I thought that these numbers and statistics were interesting. You guys can go watch. I did a long episode with um, uh, with Clint. Liberty uh, Lockdown or Liberty Lockpod. I think it's Liberty Lockdown, but we did a whole episode uh, about the immigration stuff. And I just kind of went on a rant of, you know, government's entire pitch is that it's going to govern, right? So come up with policies about who's allowed to come in. Nobody just wants an open border. And don't tell me you can't figure out policies because your entire pitch is that you guys are government and you're going to govern. So then either don't have a government, which I'm fine with, or if you're saying that you guys are going to collect taxes and govern, then figure out policies for who we want to have in. But just having an open border, which nobody wants, 
is kind of, you know, neglecting the exact thing that you're claiming that you are going to do for us. It's like the same thing to me when they go, well, we can't have voter IDs because uh, forcing people to get IDs is racist. Well, you're the government. Why can't you create a system where you can give people identifications in a way that's not racist? Isn't your whole thing that you're going to govern? And so if there's offices for identifications, why are they racist? And if you guys can't have offices that aren't racist, shouldn't we just get rid of them? All right, but let's read this. Further, in a brand new poll of Americans' new majority project, we found 77% of Americans reject non-citizens in voting. So there you go. Nearly 80% of Americans don't think that non-citizens should be allowed to vote. In fact, 60% strongly oppose non-citizen voting. All right, here's another one I want to highlight. Finally, Americans do not want uh, to open up the welfare system to illegal immigrants. And yet another America's New Majority Project poll, we found only 29% supporting illegal immigrants receive Medicaid, food stamps, and other help uh, meant for low uh, for people with low incomes. And that 30%, it's probably because it's their relatives. And they're like, yeah, our relatives are getting more money. This works out great. 64% oppose this and 40%, 47% oppose it strongly. All right, consider that according to Scott Ram Rasmussen, 73% of Americans believe illegal immigrants is bad for America. And then lastly, in a poll by the Trafalgar Group, and these might all be very conservative groups who are screwing the numbers, only 14% favor amnesty and citizenship for people who enter the country illegally or are seeking asylum among Hispanics. That drops to 3%. So Biden's trying to enact a new policy where they're going to process 5,000 people a day legally, and I guess seemingly even uh, give them amnesty and maybe uh, uh, other benefits, right? And then for some reason, he needs the emergency authority in order to process the 5,000 and then actually prevent it after it. And as to what the plan is after you hit your 5,000 threshold and why you can't just do it at the zero threshold until we come up with a better plan for who uh, the citizens actually would like to have immigrating here, you know, I, I guess uh, that's all the Republicans' fault. And so this post I saw from Chief Nerd, we can watch mainstream uh, media breakdown over this new policy. But before I play the video, I think he caught something here, which I thought was interesting. Chief Nerd, new, the Senate is negotiating a border deal to give Biden the authority to pause asylum processing during future spikes in migrant crossings. If approved, it would require Homeland Security to reject migrants after the average daily border crossings surpasses 5,000. Right now, an average of 4,000 migrants are crossing the border each day. So in other words, Biden's solution that he needs an emergency authority in order to pass is that he'll start policing the border if there's more crossings than the current daily level. And that's him. In other words, he wants to legalize the current level of immigration and pretend like that's uh, him dealing with the amount of people. And that's preventing more people from pouring in. All right. So let's give this a watch. And this comes later in the video. But I thought that that was a good point to highlight from Chief Nerd. President Biden has vowed that he will shut down the U.S.-Mexico border when it becomes overwhelmed if Congress approves a bipartisan proposal under negotiation in the Senate. This weekend, those lawmakers have been finalizing details of the deal. If approved, it would require Homeland Security to reject migrants after average daily border crossings surpass 5,000 over seven days. It would raise the standard to accept asylum seekers and shorten the time for legal review of their cases to just six months, expand fast-track deportations, and restrict the use of the Immigration Parole Authority. The deal also includes...
You know what? I'm curious. I'm going to leave this unmuted because it, it takes some time for me to go back and forth. You guys tell me if I leave my mic unmuted, if uh, you guys are hearing double back on the audio. Uh, but what I'm catching here is that it sounds like part of this reform is figuring out how to process more asylum spe uh, seekers and how to do it quicker measures related to legal migration. It'll allocate 50,000 more immigrant visas, give status to the children of skilled workers, and offer permanent residency to Afghans brought here after the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. So it sounds like, once again, how to figure out how to legalize more of the current illegal immigration. All this on top of the $14 billion President Biden has previously requested to fund operations and hire additional personnel. For more, CBS's Camilo Montoya Galvez is at the border the name. in Eagle Pass, Texas. So Camilo, what would the immediate impact be? Good morning, Margaret. The immigration compromise being negotiated by President Biden and a small group of senators in Congress would dramatically change policy here at the U.S.-Mexico border. The president would gain a sweeping authority to effectively shut down asylum processing when there's a spike in daily illegal crossings. Right now, an average of 4,000 migrants are crossing the border each day. That means that if this deal was to be signed today, Margaret, the president would almost certainly be able to invoke this power immediately, giving border agents here the authority to quickly return migrants to Mexico. And you got to understand how backwards that is. So there's currently 4,000 people a day and Biden's going to start preventing people after 5,000. So he's going to take immediate. Well, doesn't sound like there would be any action taken by him because there would be a thousand extra people that could come in every day before he had to take this supposed immediate action. Importantly, this deal includes humanitarian exceptions and would preserve asylum processing at official ports of entries. Migrants would also be able to work immediately in the U.S. if they pass their initial asylum screenings. Margaret, this deal will certainly garner opposition. There you go. So you take the current level of immigration and I guess you legalize it so that people can work immediately. And uh, that's what I guess he's looking for. But it, I may, remember, this emergency power is for him to solve the problem and prevent people from coming in. I, I, what, what a sale. What a sale. Good, good luck selling that one to middle America. We solved the problem by starting to legally process the volume of people that you guys didn't like coming in illegally. All right, let's move on that's to true. our next topic for today. But before we do... Sponsors pay the bills and we love them because their products fucking rule. And if you haven't tried some Kratom, you haven't gotten yourself some Yodeltas, you haven't stocked up on sheath underwear, you're not living the run your mouth lifestyle. If you want to figure out how to turn things around, make things happen for yourself, get big gold fancy studios with fancy Ronald McDonald backgrounds, hanging out, lounging around, trying to finger bang people in the, uh, in the, the dressing rooms. You need some sheathunderwear.com, most comfortable underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. Use promo code RYM, you get yourself 20% off. And by the way, don't be fooled by winter scaling down. I've seen this before. It happens every January. December gets real close. January comes in, you're like, what is it, springtime out here? I guess we're not going to have a winter. And then February, March come in, and it's freezing. And that's why March is actually the best skiing month, because of all the snow compounds, 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 because in February, it starts to rain a little bit. But the point I'm trying to make is uh, you don't want to be freezing all winter. Don't be fooled. Don't be fooled right now. Go right now while sheath underwear is all stocked up, and you get yourself some of those long johns, which is my absolute favorite sheath, or sheath product. Great for running. Great for skiing. Great for biking. Great for just maneuvering and feeling real silky and smooth between your legs. Use promo code RYM. Get yourself 20% off. Let them know that we sent you. And uh, get yourself the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. All right. So uh, 
you know, as I talk about all these gray area topics that drive you nuts, such as is Donald Trump and a sexual assaulter that shouldn't be allowed to run for president and should be in jail, or is the New York State uh, system so corrupt? By the way, Donald Trump gets into office. Is he going to is he going to solve the corruption of the New York State court system so that the rest of us don't have to confront? such an incredible corruption, or maybe the corruption only exists in terms of targeting Donald Trump. And so him winning is a big, uh, is the big fuck you to them. All right. Anyway, so this is from the New York times, what to know about the UN court's initial ruling in the genocide case against Israel. The international court of justice ruled that Israel must take steps to prevent genocide in Gaza, but stop short of demanding a stop to its military offensive. They're asking if like they could do like more of like a medium on genocide. You know what I mean? Like they're like a large, they like, if they could just bring down the levels to more of a medium and use like nicer language, like instead of like internal documents and people saying that you're genociding, if you could just like say like you're redecorating, you know, just you're redecorating Gaza. Some of these ugly buildings, they weren't that stable to begin with. If you guys could just clean up your language, we're not going to tell you that what you're doing, you need to stop. You don't need to have a ceasefire. Just if whatever you're doing currently, you could just be less genocide. Well, is it genocide or not? At what point in time can we just get black and white things? It either is or it isn't. Either it might be, or even if it might be, shouldn't you at least recommend they should shut down what they're doing because it borders on genocide? Or as long as it's not genocide, then I guess the UN endorses it. Hey, listen, if what you're doing is just close to genocide, then you guys can you know continue your operations. Wouldn't you go, hey, you have to have an immediate halt until we put in the following reforms to ensure that it's not genocide? All right, more on this. In Friday's provisional orders adopted in a series of near-unanimous votes, the World Court required Israel to punish incitement to genocide in the Gaza Strip, preserve evidence of potential violations of the treaty, and report back to the Hague on its compliance. Fixed it. There you go. We told them that they have to document their own crimes and come back and report in on the crimes that they're doing. So don't worry. Listen, we, we, we found this guy and he was uh, clearly stealing. So we called him up and said, listen, don't steal anymore. Document to us that you aren't stealing and uh, just come back with your documents that you stop stealing. And, you know, we're cool. Yeah, there you go. That's how you stop a genocide. You, you, you call the people up and you go, listen, you can continue everything that you're doing, but just start documenting if uh, you're actually causing any problems. That way we can look at it. And uh, if you come back with the proper documentation that you did for yourself, that there weren't any problems, then uh, you're good to continue what you're doing. On the flip side of this, though, and here, here's the out for Israel, is it, you know, they were going to obviously go, well, they're a bunch of anti-Semites over there at the UN. They're getting in the way of Israel protecting themselves. And uh, before they might have had a hell of a claim until this news story came out. And I'm, I'm, I'm not even weighing either one of these ones. I'm just telling you how ridiculous the U.N. is that they're wishy washy on whether or not they want to label something as genocide. And they won't even tell people to uh, uh, pause their military uh, engagements on something that they think might border on it. And then you can police your own behavior just to document to us that you're not. Man, that, that's a lot of a, that's a lot of authority there from the United Nations. But then there's claims. This is from the New York Post. Someone sent me an article from the Times as well. I think it was Stephen. I haven't actually read that article, but this is from the uh, New York Post. The United Nations aid agency staffers accused of taking part in Hamas October 7th atta terror attack on Israel included some who provided rocket propelled grenades as well as other who actively killed and kidnapped Israelis, according to a damning dossier of intel given to the U.S., at least 10 of the 12 fired last week by the United Nations Relief and Works Agency were active members of Hamas. 
why they were only just fired. And that's the extent of culpability here. Man, the UN really is not very good at enforcing things. Uh, while another was affiliated with the Islamic Jihad, according to the dossier obtained by the New York Times, Israel officials said they tracked down the movements of UN aid workers on the day of the attack using phone records and phone calls, as well as using the agency as cover. The terrorists also worked by day as terrorists and even teachers and other school employees, according to the dossier, which gives names for the staff staffers that were published by the New York Times. And now this is unbelievable. You want to just talk about how both sides are wrong and just Jews and the way that they behave. Uh, and and over the weekend, UNRWA's Commissioner General Felipe Lazarina argued, I guess that's the organization, I don't know what that stands for, but that's the organization that turned out was working with Hamas terrorists that were uh, involved in October 7th. Uh, uh, UNRWA's Commissioner General Felipe Lazar argued it would be immensely irresponsible to sanction an agency, an entire community it serves because of allegations of criminal acts against some individuals especially at a time of war displacement, it would be, isn't that incredible? You have an organization that hired terrorists, was working with terrorists, and it's not one. I mean, how many people do you even work in the region that you had 10 of them, and you're going to tell other people that something that they're doing is irresponsible? Now, I listen, I'm all for not punishing everybody on the account of the behavior of a few people, but to go and say that what anyone else is doing irresponsible when you had been hiring terrorists and I guess giving them, you know, some sort of cover in that they're pretending that they're actually there for the UN. Uh, that's quite the spin. Now, back to bad information on Israel. You see, that's what happens over here. We actually give all sides of the story. Where is Hamas getting its weapons increasingly from Israel? You know, they keep saying, hey, we can't send them water. We can't send them food. We can't send in any sort of aid because whatever we send in there, they turn into terrorist supplies. Well, it turns out, the majority, I believe the majority, or at least a lot of the weapons, according to this New York Times, is that uh, Israel sends in all of these weapons. And then sometimes uh, they're sending in such a high volume of rockets, some of the rockets misfire. And so most of the supplies that uh, Hamas gets to then fight back against Israel is actually the misfired uh, rockets or other bombs. Let's read a little bit. Where is Hamas getting its weapons increasingly from Israel? Uh, the very weapons that Israeli forces have used to enforce a blockade of Gaza are now being used against them. For years, analysts have pointed to underground smuggling routes to explain how Hamas stayed so heavily armed despite an Israeli military blockade of the Gaza Strip. But recent intelligence has shown the extent to which Hamas has been able to build many of its rockets and anti-tank weaponry out of the thousands of munitions that failed to detonate when Israel lobbed them into Gaza. According to expert, weapon experts and Israeli and Western intelligence officials, Hamas is also alarming its fighters with weapons stolen from Israeli military bases. Interestingly enough, I've also heard that a lot of the uh, uh, casualties of Israeli soldiers is uh, friendly fire. So between the two, doesn't it seem like Israel's making a bit of its own mess? Um, all right. And then last, in terms of growing and escalating warfare, you've got these Houthis. They're out in the uh, Red Sea. They're uh, making it so that it's super expensive for all of our allies to ship the materials that we need. Yeah, remember when, when everyone was freaking out about toilet paper? Well, you, you talk about selling a war when you start seeing empty shells and it goes due to the uh, activity of uh, Iranian-backed militias. We're unable to get you these supplies. Remember when it was Putin's supply line issues? Next batch of inflation. You're going to start hearing about how it's Iran's fault. But here you have uh, out in Jordan, Biden says U.S. shall respond after drone strike by Iran. 
back group kills three U.S. troops in Jordan. See, you finally had they killed three troops in Jordan. That's what gets the U.S. to go. All right. Now we're going to have to do something. And uh, this to me, you know, it's like the U.S. is basically standing around and going, we're trying to have a casual war here. And now you're trying to turn this into like a full war relationship, you know, we're, we're just trying to do the casual bombing here, there, and the next thing. But like, you know, if you start doing these things and staying in the morning and fight, we're, you're going to end up with a full war here. And that's why I just don't have casual wars. It doesn't work. It, it It's like the you sleep with the lady too many times at your place. You're now in a relationship. That's the way it goes. If you're going to be over in the Middle East, just think that you're going to just casually bomb things here and there. And you're going to casually be over funding a war against Russia without fighting them. At some point, it's going to escalate into an actual war. That's the way these things go. No, no one's okay with just casual bombing. They're like, hey, you want to have this war or not? And then I love this spin. This is world-class spin right here. I saw this headline from the Washington Post. <laughs> this is their way of selling the current situation out in Russia. U.S. doesn't anticipate big gains by Ukraine against Russia in 2024. You see how they keep it in the positive? That's great sales. It's not, hey, yeah, we're going to keep funding them, and they can't possibly win this thing. It's they don't anticipate big gain. There might even be little gains. How's that for spin? We got to keep sending money over there. They don't don't expect big gains, but it's not like they're losing. We're not going to use the word losing or that it's not worthwhile. All right, that is basically the end of our episode. Go to RobbieTheFire.com. I do have some tour dates coming up. I got to get the, the, the date up for Omaha. I got to get the date up for uh, Kansas City. Uh, other than that, you know, start sending me the emails for porch tour. It's right around the corner, February, March, April. We're going to be back out there. And, uh, I am looking for some more dates. Uh, if you got a spot, you know, local, let, let's do it, man. Uh, I don't know if you got a bar back room place that we didn't do over porch tour. I'm hoping to maybe film a comedy half hour in March. I really got to put some more work into that. Fine tune some of the ed edges, throw out some of the jokes that aren't working, retool it, try and get the thing ironclad and tight. So uh email me, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. If you got a relationship with the bar in your area, it's not a place I ever played. I'm down to do it. Dave tends to do two weekends a month. I like to fill in my own headline stuff on the other stuff or even extend uh Thursdays and Sundays. And uh we I also got some dates with Dave coming up. So go to comicdavesmith.com. Um, you know, that's what it's all about. It's not just about yelling in front of Ronald McDonald signs trying to work on these jokes. All right, let's start with a couple quick topics to close out the show. Taylor Swift deep fakes. I want to say that deep fakes of celebrities on the internet are better for everybody. It's a win. You know why? I don't know why. The better the deep fakes get, the more of a situation you can be in that if for some reason something horrible about you leaks on the internet, you'll be able to, yeah, it was a deep fake. And then if it happens to be a porn video where your dick looks amazing or you just look incredible in it and other people are really going to want to sleep with you or if like you're a lady, rich people are going to be like just calling you up and be like, hey, we should have kids together. If you're a dude, you're going to have getting calls from literally all over the internet going, holy shit, I didn't realize you were that good of a lay. I just left a current relationship. I'd really like to have you over. So then you get the option of going, yep, that was me or that was a deep fake. So I feel like the more deep fakes that end up coming out into the world, the better it is for all of us, because, you know, if uh, footage of you comes onto the Internet, it's totally terrible. You look terrible naked. You don't like it. You go, hey, that's a deep fake. People are out there trying to make me look real bad. But if you look really good in it, you can be like, yep, that is totally me. Now, give me my own Kim Kardashian reality show. All right. Now you got all these uh, Vince McMahon stuff going on. And uh, listen, there, there, there's some you, there's some terrible, uh, reprehensible things being reported, but you got to give the guy credit that he's still just kind of going for it. You know, at his age, apparently the guy can't have sex without pooping out of his back end. But like he's so roided up, he still wants to get out there 
and and have these kind and then not just that, but he knows that he can't last for an entire sexual intercourse. So he's got a tag team partner in there where he's like, dude, I just shot myself. So you're going to have to keep going. And who's that other guy who's such a team player that he's going to stay in the game, even though his friend just shot. I mean, how much Viagra are you putting into your dick hole that some lady could have defecation on her, but you're still hard and into it. I mean, that's And then also the fact that this guy loves wrestling so much that he's naming dildos after the people and still likes playing with toys. And then what is wrong with the world that you can be a billionaire? You can be this big and powerful. And like, why is it always creepy shit? And I guess that's the point. Don't become rich and powerful because women still don't want to actually sleep with you. You're going to have to do creepy shit in order to accomplish it. And you don't want to do creepy shit. So just go live like a nice, normal life. You know, it's like Hugh Hefner back in the day when we were 18. We're like, wait, this 75 year old is having sex with 19 women a day in his mansion. And then he dies and they all come out and go, yeah, yeah, that was disgusting. And who wants that about themselves? So I don't know. I look at this and I'm like, listen, even if you become super rich and powerful, you're putting it out there. It looks like you're living a cool lifestyle behind closed doors. You don't get what you want anyways. And you're going to you're going to be a creep and you're going to think you get away with it because you got all the power. So if anything, I look at this and it's another example of just be a lazy introvert. Next is I want to I want to trash streaming services because I keep actually looking through my bills and I'm like, dude, I canceled that. I canceled that. It's happened to me like five times now where I'm like, I canceled that. Why is that still on my bill? I know what they're doing. You know, you got you got to start documenting. You got to take the screenshot when you canceled it. You got to start keeping Jew records on everything. You take a flight. You got to check every single bolt before you get on that because you get these uh, people from Boeing just uh, buying uh, plane doors from China and, you know, selling them to Spirit Airlines and not actually putting them on. You can't trust anything for anyone. And now you got you got to document every interaction you ever have, because these people, once they have your credit card, they'll charge you as much as possible. And the last one is like, you know, why are people throwing soup on famous paintings? People are clogging up the roads. And you know what? It's never the conservative. It's these crazy liberals trying to do the like for the environment that they think they have the right to be the world's biggest jerks. And I do feel like there should be some uh, crazy crime for throwing soup on paintings. But in the case of the Mona Lisa, I'll just say it looks better with some soup on it. I'm not advocating for throwing soup onto paintings. And I'm not here to tell you that like uh, people should throw soup onto paintings. I think if anything, there should be uh, significant criminal penalties for such actions that the entire world holds piece of art in high regard. And you're going to go into the museum and just ruin it for everybody. And, and what, so that you can be a jerk. Anytime you're being a jerk to try and prevent other people from being a jerk, you're just being a jerk. That's it. You know, you're not going to help the environment by throwing soup on a painting. But with that said, Mona Lisa looks a lot better with some soup on it. Someone, someone should create soapy, soupy Mona Lisa's. Where I don't know, get some Prince of the Mona Lisa and just keep splattering paint on it. And uh, that's it. That's our show. Thank you for hanging out with us. Back probably Wednesday and Friday for uh, more episodes, but we'll see. You never know. You never know. Uh, that's it. The show's over. Go uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Maybe we'll create an outro soon to go with that intro because that was a cool intro. I liked it. Later. <laughs>